We don't know much about Joseph. He is not a particularly well-rounded character in the biblical narrative. It became fashionable back in the mid-20th century to say that the doctrine of the virgin birth was not a central doctrine of Christianity because it went the ancient people didn't understand biology. A reading of history and a reading of the Gospels will show us that ancient people did in fact understand biology. It's why ancient kings in the Near East would have eunuchs attending to the queens in the Near East. It's why in this one passage in Matthew, we see Joseph struggling internally, wondering what to do about this engagement that he's gotten himself into when new circumstances are presented. And so today, our gospel reading gives us probably more of an insight into the character of Joseph, the husband of Mary, who raised Jesus than any other passage in the New Testament. And so as you're able, I invite you to stand for the reading of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they had lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph... Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son. And he named him Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray. O Lord, use your servants' lips and your people's ears and hearts that they may be wed, that the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. While it's true that we don't know a whole lot about the character of Joseph, what we do know teaches us something important, even essential. Some of you may have seen the movie About a Boy, in which Hugh Grant plays a character named Will Freeman. Now, Will Freeman's name 
even suggests who he is. He is a freeloader. He is a simple, early, middle-aged slacker who lives luxuriously off of the fact that his grandfather wrote a Christmas song that he receives royalties off of years and years later. He's a solitary man with a single priority in life, and that priority is himself. Will spends his days shooting pool, surfing the internet, and having his hair carefully disheveled at the salon. This movie opens with Will Freeman watching the game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And the question is posed, who wrote the phrase, no man is an island? John Donne, John Milton, John F. Kennedy, or John Bon Jovi? Will Freeman says, well, John Bon Jovi, of course, too easy. And if I may say so, he says, that is a complete load of bullocks. From then, Will Freeman goes on to explain his philosophy of life. Here is Will's philosophy of life as he describes it. He says, in my opinion, all men are islands. And what's more, now is the time to be one. This is an island age. A hundred years ago, for instance, you had to depend on other people. No one had TVs or CDs or DVD players or videos or home espresso makers. In fact, Will says, they didn't have anything cool. Whereas now, you can see, you can make yourself a little island paradise with the right supplies and, more importantly, the right attitude You can be sun-drenched, tropical, a magnet for young Swedish tourists. And I like to think, says Will, I'm that kind of island. As the movie continues, he is shown for exactly what he is. Shallow, pathetic, miserable. But he meets a 12-year-old boy who has a severely depressed mother. And Will, this character is drawn out of himself and into this whole network of real relationships. The boy Marcus teaches Will that one person alone isn't enough, and even two people alone aren't enough. You need plenty of backup in life. And so by the end of the movie, Will has changed his life philosophy to this. Every man is an island, he says. I stand by that. But clearly, some men are part of island chains. Below the surface of the ocean, they are actually connected. When we think about faith like Joseph, we think of a faith that is bigger than ourselves. Look at what the Scriptures say. Joseph being addressed by the angel, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. A faith like Joseph is a faith that is in something that is bigger than ourselves, something that we can't do 
or be on our own. Last Sunday morning, we saw the Christmas cantata and heard the beautiful melodies and harmonies and all of the instruments that came together that each of them alone might have been beautiful, but all of them together made something extraordinary. This morning, as we heard the bells, one bell is beautiful and two are nice, But you get all of the bells together and they form something that is bigger, something that is grander, something that is greater, something that can be altogether a sum that is greater than its parts. Joseph is invited to a faith that recognizes that he is a part of something that's bigger than himself. He and Mary and the child that is to be born and all who would be a part of being blessed by the Holy Family are are a part of something that is bigger than Joseph. You see it. You see it in AA meetings or NA meetings or Al-Anon meetings where there's something that takes place in a group that is impossible to achieve on one's own. You see it in church. We can have devotions and we can spend time in prayer at home and God is absolutely there. And yet, as we sing the grand hymns of faith and as we gather with other believers, some of whom we know intimately for many, many years and others we don't even know all that well, but when we sing and make music together, when we worship the Lord, when we gather at the table We are a part of something that is bigger than ourselves. The Amish describe it in an interesting way. You know, the Amish Amish have turned their back on things like television and automobiles, but during the same time period that they've turned their backs on television and automobiles, they have embraced modern medicine. James Whitmore is a social researcher at Arizona State University, and he's studied the Amish intensely, their perspective on technology and learning. And in an interview not long ago, Whitmore says this, the reason the Amish rejected television is because it's a one-way conduit to bring another society into their living rooms. And they want to maintain the society as they've created it. And the automobile. As soon as you have a car, you have an ability to leave your local community. And that becomes significantly easier. You no longer have to rely on your neighbor for eggs when you run out. You can literally take a half an hour to go to the store And in a horse and buggy, when you don't have your own chickens, it's a half day to go to the store. Wetmore says, I asked one Amish person why they didn't use automobiles, and he simply smiled and turned to me and said, look what they did to your society. And I asked, what do you mean? And he answered, well, do you know your neighbor? Do you know the names of your neighbors? And Wetmore said, at the time, I had to admit the fact that I didn't. You and I are invited, like Joseph, 
to something bigger than ourselves. We are invited to live in a kind of community that blesses the world. We are invited to create families that foster joy and worship. We are invited in our friendships to bless the Lord in what we do and in who we are for and with each other. We are invited as a church community to be a part of something that is far grander than ourselves. Joseph says yes to being a part of a family that will forever change the history of the world. Joseph says yes yes, to having a part in setting a world that has gone wrong aright again. We recently had the longest night of the year. The shortest day of the year was yesterday, but don't worry too much. If you missed the shortest day of the year yesterday, today is less than one second longer. Now tomorrow, we'll get three extra seconds, and and pretty soon we'll be getting 20 or 30 seconds a day, and by the middle of March, we'll be getting two-plus minutes of daylight at, at a time. Every single day, and by June 21st, 22nd, we'll have five hours more of daylight than we have now. Dear Christians, it is no accident that we celebrate the birth of Jesus on the solstice holiday. The longest night, the darkest period in the year, has passed. And when Christ is born, the light of the world has entered the world's darkness. The longest night has passed. The day is coming. Joseph's invited to be a part of the dawning of the day that sets the world aright. Joseph is told that Mary will bear a son, that he is to name his son Jesus, for Jesus will save his people from their sins. Those of you who know me know that I am trying my best to be a sports fan. I am not naturally a sports fan, but I have kids that play football and basketball and soccer. So as I'm going to bed at night, I'll get on YouTube, and I will, soccer, I will, I will search for such things as soccer for dummies or, or basketball for dummies, football for dummies. And I've learned. I've learned all kinds of things. There was a guy sitting behind me at a soccer game the other day, and and he said, I just don't understand this offsides. And I turned around and I said, well, really, there are only three things that you have to think about to decide whether or not a play is offsides. And I told him, and he said, that's the first time it's ever made sense to me. And I nodded, knowing that, that my soccer for dummies had paid off. But in soccer... There's also this magical area of about 18 square yards marked off with a thick white chalk line near the goal of the soccer field. And only one player, only one player can 
actually take the ball in his hands and only when he's in the box and very often you'll hear goalies talk about not the box but my box it's my box because there's a awesome responsibility in that box to protect the goal for the entire team the goalie is the last line of defense before the opposing team can store can score this is my box this is my house and i'll take care of the business in my house is not arrogance but it's a recognition that there is a special superpower that the goalie has and special responsibilities in this box in this area in this zone in this time. Joseph says yes to his part in setting a world that has gone wrong right again. And we, like Joseph, are invited to have a part in setting a world that has gone wrong right again ourselves. Now, not every space is our box. There's not every place that we can have the kind of influence that we wish we would have. And every day and every, every year we see someone we know, whether it's a friend or a family member, and we can see it like the car crash that's coming ahead. We can see that this is not going to end well. And it plays out in front of us, and sometimes there's nothing that we can do. But sometimes there is. In my own heart, in my own family, on my own street, in the places of this world where God has placed me, in, in your friendships, in your vocation, that's your goal. That's your box. That's the place where even though we live in a broken world, God has given you the opportunity to make a difference and to set part of the world that has gone wrong right again. Faith like Joseph. Faith like Joseph seeks to do his part, our part, to set right that which is wrong in the world. And Joseph does this at personal cost. He goes to bed one night and he is preoccupied with how he's going to end this relationship that he has with Mary. Because suddenly his world does not look like it did even, even a day or two before. He recognizes that Mary to whom he is betrothed is expecting a child. And make no mistake, Joseph understood biology. Joseph understood where children come from. Joseph understood. And so he goes to bed and he wonders how he is going to do this. He's a righteous man. He doesn't want to make Mary look any worse. 
than she might already look. He doesn't want to add insult to injury. But as a man with some pride, he's trying to figure out what to do. When suddenly he hears the voice of an angel. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. Joseph knows that life will never be the same for him. Joseph knows the personal cost of living in a small town. He understands gossip and may even have been a part of it himself before. And yet God speaks to Joseph. God speaks to Joseph and at great personal cost, Joseph changes his mind. When he went to bed in the evening, he was determined to put an end to his planned marriage. But when he awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. And he took Mary to be his wife and had no marital relations with her until she had born a son. And he named him Jesus. Dear friends, Joseph's faith is faith in something bigger than himself. Joseph's Faith starts setting the world aright in whatever places he can participate. And Joseph's faith is willing to bear a personal cost for discipleship. What about your faith? Are you looking to be a part of something that is bigger than you? Are you doing what's in your power to strengthen your friendships, to nourish your marriage, to raise your children well, to connect with your neighbors and others in the world? Are you being the best boss or employee that you can be? Are you encouraging those that God has put in front of you to encourage You have faith like Joseph. Today, I invite you as we head into the week of Christmas to remember this remarkable character about whom we know so little. But remember that we do know. He understood that the world was larger than just him. He understood that he couldn't fix everything, but there were things in his box that he was responsible for. And he said yes to God, even at significant personal cost. Will you, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.